HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. It's my great honor to share that inheritance and to invite other farmers from Georgia and around the country to share their tips with you. It's an opportunity for us to slow down and to connect and to plug in. And the farm does that in a way that lets you connect and appreciate the life that exists and nurture and cultivate that and then extend that to the relationships to the people who are in that house with you and your community. So if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land, or a seasoned farmer, join the conversation. And to be honest with you, it was like, would Warren come out and say, hey, I want to be a farmer? Probably not. I, I consider myself a city kid. You know, when we initially got a horse, you know, I have that New York City mindset a horse i'm thinking thoroughbred horse aqueduct racetrack <laughs> belmont racetrack those type of things you know and 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 slowly but surely i'm starting to understand a lot more i do remember early on like you know the first month or two of dating how we would daydream about starting a farm together and it's kind of like hold on let's like pump the brakes and get to know each other first and then talk about that you know <laughs> so what got me into chickens? Um, I always joke and say that a chicken saved my life, um, and it very much so did. I'm interested in Black liberation that's ecological and that's not contingent upon <sighs> these systems giving us anything. There's also something that's beyond this that I want and that I seek for our, for our people, and that's intimacy with the land and that's reliability. And so for us, it's also this idea of connecting people back to the land and connecting our um, folks back to their ancestry. So what does it mean to organically, sustainably farm in our current economy and time? Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcast.
Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, pourable, and spooky <laughs> with your hosts, Sarge and Gora. And Nicole Bailey. We're haunted. Always haunted. Year round. I'm haunted by my mistakes. <laughs> I drink iced coffee year round and I'm haunted year round. That's amazing. That's great. I'm also haunted year round. I'm spooky. I'm covered in dust and spiders and old <laughs> dirty things that are just tagging behind me like old locks. What's with like ghosts always like dragging old locks around with them? Chains. That's just like one. That's Jacob Marley. That's just the one guy. Oh, he's it's just like, one. He's more of a Christmas ghost. Okay. Than Got a it. Halloween ghost. Fair enough. <laughs> Have you been doing anything spooky out in Indiana? Uh, well, the neighborhood has got a lot of spooky shit up in their front yards. Um, my favorite is the skeletons that look like they're just coming out from under the ground. Um, mm. pretty cool. And the neighbors put up this, like, big, giant, floating death guy, um, Grim Reaper guy. And mm-hmm. I went for a walk with the dog in the nighttime, and it came around the corner, and they just put it up, and it looked like it was following me with its eyes, <laughs> and it was very scary. <laughs> Uh, it's funny it's always like it's a time of year where people can decorate their yard and sometimes it's cute and kitschy and sometimes it's just fun or spooky and sometimes it's like hmm you are a serial killer and this is just like the time of the year where you're comfortable putting like mutilated bodies out like this is what you want to do yeah um yeah but there's also one that's like a nightmare before Christmas theme or corpse bride themed, I guess. Mm. Maybe both mixed together. Interesting. Cute. I was driving home the other day from upstate New York with our friend Ryan. We were doing a job and I'm like, what the hell is that on this car? And it was a car, like a giant like truck, like pickup truck with like a Trump sticker on it, but it was also decorated for Halloween. <laughs> Like, with, with, like, cute stickers, it became a Halloween truck. And it, they were, like, um, what is it, Edward Gorey? Sure. Yeah, it was, like, that decorated all over this Trump truck. It was, I guess, I mean, people contain multitudes. It was confusing, though. I was like, what am I looking at here? Yeah, I mean, you can like Trump and also like Halloween. It's a, it's a, non, it's a nonpartisan holiday. That's true. This just in from the wires of the Associated Press. But the thing that was confusing about it is that the truck with the Trumpness seemed very macho. And sure. then, like, the cutesy, like, Edward Gorey Halloween. Um, it was just an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, well. And then no one was driving it. <laughs> oh, that's very spooky. Christine vibes. <laughs> Oh my God, Christine! Amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I love Stephen King. In case you guys don't know or don't remember me saying it on every episode, and you should marry him. <laughs> I should. There would be a May, December. I always get those months wrong. <laughs> it's January, July. Actually, it's how it's pronounced. <laughs> mm. Guess what I'm drinking? Can you tell by the sound of my gulps? Amaro. Negativo. I'm drinking. Although I did. Buy a bottle of the Sabia the yeah, other day. My fave. Oh, so good. So bitter. Yes. Um, okay. no. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, no. I'm drinking Diet Coke because I have, as of the summer, newly addicted to aspartame. Oh, And, great. uh, ah, it's a real pick-me-up. I was feeling a bit tied-tied today because I, um, went to bed late and... 
I just had a, I, instead of chugging coffee, I feel like a DC is a great pick me up. For sure. One of my top five favorite drinks. Oh, it's so good. And now that I know that uh, your favorite person and recently deceased billionaire Bill Gates drinks like 45 of them a day, it makes me feel safer drinking them because I'm like, well, Bill Gates would know if this was going to cause cancer and he drinks a ton of this shit. Is he dead? You told me he was dead <laughs> two episodes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know who else drinks a lot of Diet Coke is recently deceased Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, yes, our deceased president. Everyone's everyone's favorite person to root for to die, Donald Trump. <laughs> but in real life, dead people news, Eddie Van Halen died. I know. R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen. That's pretty sad. Yeah, it is. He was, he he was, was young. He was only 65. Yeah. Brought a lot to the world of rock and roll music. That's for damn sure. Hell yeah. Um, I, right what, now! Crystal I Pepsi. <laughs> I didn't realize that he had died yesterday and I was driving around listening to the radio. And this I put it on the AM station because I just didn't want to deal with the FM in Indianapolis. And um, they started playing that song that you just sang. Um, really? And the guy kept interrupting and talking about how he liked the Sammy Hagar years better, but the Van Halen years were special too. And he kept like interrupting the song and being like, great band, great guitar solo. And I was like, what? What is happening? This must be some In- weird radio station. Oh, no, I'm sorry I had to find out that way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were driving over to his house and then you got there and you found out you found him dead. Also, what a song to pick. I don't know why they picked the Crystal Pepsi song. I know, it's interesting. I just could never not associate it with that commercial because of the time that I was brought up. Yeah. Um, It's it's no, no, I don't really have much to say, except, of course, (laughs) I'm always interested in talking about Crystal Pepsi. And also, do you remember on Saturday Night Live when they did the, like, spoof for, like, clear gravy, crystal clear gravy? No, I do not It's really funny. It was when everything was clear. There's like crystal clear Amico Ultimate, crystal clear Pepsi, clearly Canadian. Everything's fucking clear. It's the 90s. What else can we make clear? And then so. Is that motor oil? Yeah, yeah. They had clear gas. (laughs) Clear (laughs) gas. As though like you fucking give a shit if your gas is clear or not. It's you don't see it. Hopefully, As if I ever knew what color it was before. Like you guys, if you guys would have told me it had been clear the whole time, I would have been like, "Yep, that's true." Absolutely, it's like the last thing I could give any shits about it being clear. But anyway, <laughs> then SNL had like a skit where they did a fake commercial for like Crystal Clear Gravy. <laughs> that's amazing. I remember one of the skits that always stuck with me. I didn't see it when it was on because it was in the seventies and I was not alive yet. But it's like they're making fun of the extra moist Duncan Hines, and uh-huh. like so they have like Duncan Hines cake in a box, but it comes out and it's just like soup because it's extra moist. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's good. Yeah, good that's the nice job, Chevy Chase, whoever else was on that. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Radner, I was watching. I'm reading Gilda Radner's autobiography right now, which is really interesting and sad. Yeah, you. I was with you when you purchased it, along with like 25 other used <laughs> books that you had to haul back across the Williamsburg Bridge. <laughs> the real champ. This yeah. girl loves to read. I sure do. More than I love to read, I love to buy books and hoard them in my house. <laughs> even though i had to fit an entire one-bedroom apartment in one small bedroom here in indiana <laughs> you're like not without my books no mm-hmm. i agree i love having books too but i also think it's like a really bad sign when you go to someone's house and they have no books that's like a very big red flag for me 
Yeah, that's what uh, John Waters said, I think. He said, Oh, I am back, John Waters. <laughs> you go back to someone's house and there's no books, do not sleep with them, or something mm. along those lines. Couldn't agree Don't more. Quote me on that, John Waters. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay, I'm do sorry. You want wait. To get into our topic or not? Should we nah, I'm good. Nah, okay. fuck it. Yes, I'd love to. This is a great topic, even though it's something that scares me very, very much. I'm, I'm willing to face my fears today. Yeah, you should be scared. You can't breathe in space. By the way, space is our topic. For some reason, Zara decided to pick her greatest fear. <laughs> we talked about it last week. And we promised our fans that we would talk about a space. We never, we always say we're going to talk about something <laughs> and then we never do it. We filed today's that, different. I learned that by listening to our episodes with our good friend of the pod, Mike Sala. And he was like, did you guys talk about this? And I was like, no. He's like, did you guys talk about this? And I was like, no <laughs> <laughs> also just sidebar quickly nicole and i went through like um a list of topics that we had potentially written down like months ago <laughs> and one of them was like the farmer's almanac another one was uh animal milk <laughs> animal milk yeah <laughs> so listen if you guys want us to do an animal milk episode you gotta write into the show and you gotta mm-hmm. listen you gotta rate review subscribe otherwise we're not ever gonna do an animal milk episode right or just when we do the colin episode just give us a call let us know what you want to hear oh if you said colin episode like colin firth colin <laughs> the colin all the famous collins episode <laughs> you should try calling us somehow and oh us my god i'm gonna die okay go ahead let's talk about space okay space the final frontier um i'm talking about foods in space um, I just wanted everyone to know that I started off trying to research like space inspired foods and some of these things kind of touch on that but I wanted to find out I thought that it might be more like the cosmic brownie and Mars bar all over you know everything that America made in a package in 1960s but it didn't really yeah. work out that way because Google sucks it's not remind- my researching capabilities it's Google it definitely is. Can you just remind me quickly, what is the Cosmic Brownie? I believe you talked about this on the last week's episode. Yeah, that's what got us on the space topic. Right, right. What is it's it? A, it's a little Debbie chocolate brownie with chocolate frosting and, like, brightly colored sprinkles. That got it, got it. I guess maybe some space themes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my number one little Debbie choice or my number ten. Um, okay. <laughs> So I got a lot of this information, well, all of it, from three websites. One is a fun article on Eater.com by Hillary Dixler Canavan, mm-hmm. uh, NASA.gov, maybe you've heard of it, mm, and no. <laughs> airandspace.edu. Okay? This is serious. Amaze. Okay. I'm strapped in. Okay. So the first meal in space. The first meal in space was eaten by John Glenn. Well, the first American meal. Who knows what okay. the Russians were doing. Um, John Glenn was the first American to eat in space. At the time, they didn't know if you could ingest or absorb any nutrients while you were in space. So they were just like, hey, John, good luck. Here's some food. <laughs> um, so he ate applesauce from a tube. And, Yum. And he was like, okay, great. Thanks. I did it. Everything's fine. Uh, so then they proceeded to send food up with everybody, and the space food of the early 60s was pureed and placed in a, aluminum tubes. So I, I saw a picture of it, and it looks like it's in, like, a paint tube. like a Oh, really? Know, yeah, like those little squeezable paint things. Um, oh. And they sucked it through a straw, and apparently it was pretty gross. How grueling. <laughs> How rude. How rude to give astronauts are going into space and you can't even, like... 
I don't know, you're going to make him drink through a steak through a straw? They're fine. Um, one example, though, is they had beef and vegetables in a tube. Ew. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's like pate, I guess. Yeah, right? that's true. That is true. It's classy. Um, definitely classy. Uh, the first time solid food was eaten in space was when John Young, all the astronauts are named John. He's my favorite astronaut. They're all white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, there was a, I think there was mostly 90% white dudes. Um, so the first solid food, John Young surprised a fellow astronaut with corned beef sandwich on rye, which he got from a deli in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and carried it onto the spaceship. <laughs> what? Is that legal? <laughs> that sounds like it could start like a deadly, that's like the beginning of like a, a bad movie about space, like the corned beef escapes, some of it gets in the fuselage, then they all, that's how the Challenger exploded. What's a fuselage? Do you even know what that is? <laughs> yes, of course. I went to the space school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Space camp. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm pretty sure they had to clear it with, like, the guys on the ground or whatever. But they had to stop eating it anyway because there were too many crumbs and they were floating around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fucking die. That's amazing. Um, okay. On Christmas Eve, 1968, during the Apollo 8 mission, astronauts got to try... A thermo-stabilized turkey, gravy, and cranberry sauce. Um, they didn't know that it was going to be their meal. So they opened it up, and they're like, oh, my goodness. It's Christmas Eve, and you guys are serving us Thanksgiving food. It's fine. <laughs> they sent it back. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that was all in the 60s. Things have vastly improved. And nowadays, according to NASA.com, which could be lying because it's NASA. I didn't double check with an alternate source. Uh, they say <laughs> that they have all kinds of condiments, including ketchup and mayonnaise and salt oh, wow. and pepper. But the salt and pepper have to be in liquid form because the little granules wouldn't stay on the food in zero gravity. That's so cute. It I flies know. away. Also, liquid salt and pepper would solve so many problems. We should all do that. I know. That's very smart. Liquid pepper. I love it. I mean, it's just Tabasco sauce, I guess. Sure. But you could just marinate your chicken. You don't have to rub it all around with your hands. Um, Yeah, that's smart. That's pepper spray. You you heard it here first, folks. You can use pepper spray on your food. Right there. (laughs) Spray it on your chicken. Um, Keep your eyes covered in uh, safety glasses, though. (laughs) Um, astronauts nowadays eat three meals a day. They actually have like calorie restrictions and there are 1900 calories for women and 3000 calories for men, which I think is what? Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Also, who's to say like, why also 3000 calories when all you're doing is floating and mm-hmm. doing nothing. What are you doing yep. with all those calories? Just nothing. Pooping them out. Wow. Interesting. Um, I do... Finally, before I move on to some examples of space food, uh, recommend that you go to NASA.gov and look at the videos on the site because they have videos of people eating in space. And mm-hmm. they're not all good, but I recommend Pizza Night, Pudding <laughs> the Spaceway, and Thanksgiving in Space if you want to feel sad because Thanksgiving in Space, spoiler alert, is just them rehydrating turkey tetrazzini. Oh, no. Yeah. Thanksgiving in space is a very sad, sad day. That's Um, terrible. Okay, I'm going to watch it as soon as we get off here. Okay, so now let's talk about the food that companies tried to make into space food. Um, The first one is Tang. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people, including myself, thought that Tang was invented by NASA, but that is not true. 
It's a lie. It's a lie. Did you think it was invented by NASA? No, didn't we talk about this last week that Tang was in, or maybe it was something else, that Tang and Cool Whip and like Pop Rocks were invented by the same person? Oh, maybe that's right. But I can't remember what happens Hmm. from week to week because. Me neither. Of my old age. Um, So maybe that's true. If it's true, then it was this 1957 food scientist, William Mitchell, uh, who was working for General Foods Corporation. Yeah, that's him. He invented Tang, and he was like, guys, look at this. And two years later, they released it to the general public as a vitamin-packed breakfast drink. You don't squeeze, unfreeze, or refrigerate. Ooh. I like the marketing. That's smart. You just snort Uh, it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not vitamin. I mean, probably. I don't know. I don't think you should drink that instead of orange juice, folks. Um, Yeah. But nobody really cared about it, so sales were pretty crappy until... John Glenn, remember him from earlier? First guy to eat in space. Who was an American? Yeah, your ex-husband, John Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He drank it aboard the Mercury flight of 1962, and people went wild. They were like, give me that freaking tang. I'm obsessed. (laughs) That's funny. People Uh call me Tang sometimes because my last name is Tangora. Oh, not short for Poontang? Oh, no. People call me. Yeah, it's because of my my Poontang. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they could call you like Poon Tangora. Has anyone ever done that before? Yeah, people used to call me Pootie Tang after the movie <laughs> came out. <laughs> what a great movie. What a great time for society. Um, okay, here is a scandal that I learned about today. Space Space ice cream, freeze-dried ice cream, uh, was invented by the Whirlpool, Whirlpool Corporation, the guys who make washers and dryers. Mm-hmm. Um in 1968, they made freeze-dried ice cream for NASA. They're like, you guys, here is some ice cream. And it, it is freeze-dried. <laughs> uh, and they were like, okay. They took it on Apollo 7, but the astronauts were like, this is gross, it's too crumbly, and it's not going to work because we can't have crumbs in space. Yeah. Um, so it never went to space again. And yet, oh. they still sell that shit in every science museum gift shop on Earth. I know that's so. What a what a ruse! I mean, we've been we've all been fooled. We've all been lied to. Yeah. Space ice cream astronauts do not eat it now. They eat real ice cream because they had that much technology. So think about that. The next time you eat that shit. Yeah, right. And we're the chumps down here on Earth, just like we are, like the real astronauts, and they're just up there having a fucking banana split, laughing at us from space. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, <laughs> the final item is something called. Space food sticks, and Whoa. they were made by Pillsbury as a continuation of something that they had developed for NASA called space food. Sorry, space food <laughs> cubes. That's hard to say. <laughs> sure is. Um, and so they developed these cubes for NASA as like nutrient dense cubes they could easily eat. You know, just pop them in your mouth, no crumbs. And but they decided to make them into sticks. But NASA was like, we're not going to approve this. We need a lot of time. But they released them to the public anyway. And they were like, these are space food sticks. This is what NASA is eating, even though it wasn't really true at the time. Um, but what they had created was compressed carbs, protein, and fats with kid-friendly flavors like caramel, peanut butter, and chocolate. Um, they did so it's eventually- an Oreo. <laughs> no, it's actually like an energy bar. Like a cliff bar. Oh, interesting. They did eventually go to space in 1972, and the website said, mysteriously, they're not so popular now unless you know where to look. So apparently they're still out there. 
somewhere. They're probably with the truth, which is allegedly is also out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, these people kind of, you know, pre-set, paved the road for energy bars. How fascinating, how bizarre. <laughs> and that's all I have. That's all I have about damn space. That's the only thing that's ever happened in space worth talking about, as far as I'm concerned. All right, that's amazing. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to go make myself a space ice cream sundae and choke on it because it's dusty and dry, and we'll be right back. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we're back. We're back. I didn't realize when you were covered with dust that it was space ice cream dust oh yeah you know me i have a problem i have an addiction to space ice cream it's my only vice (laughs) well you do you do love freeze-dried strawberries so i think that that might be true that's true i do love freeze-dried strawberries i find that they're great in baking they give you all the flavor of a strawberry with none of that pesky water that we all hate and we won't have any more of very soon because the world is ending so We don't have to worry about water anymore. Finally. Like in Tank Girl, my favorite movie, which is, that's not a lie. It really is one of my favorite movies ever. Really? I've never heard you talk about it before. I love Tank Girl. I used to watch it all the time when I was younger. When I was, I say when I was like in sixth and seventh grade. And Did you read the comic book? Uh, yes, I read the comic or book. The and novel, whatever. I don't really know. Uh, I read the comic book or the graphic novel. I'm not really like, who's to say? Um, I'm not a connoisseur, but, uh, I made my mom, I went to private school at the time. Um, my mom got me into like this shishi private school, even though we were like broke living at my grandparents' house and we got like a scholarship for me to go to private school, which is a whole nother story and what not to do to children. (laughs) Feels like you already told the story. Feels like I did. But listen, the point is, is that there was a dress code and it was basically like you had to wear things from Gap or Banana Republic, which is just like either wear a uniform or don't wear a uniform. But so I asked my mom to cut up all my clothing so that I would look like Tank Girl and I would wear like fishnets with like baseball socks and like tight and like short cut off 
army skirts and baby tees and wear my hair like with tinfoil wrapped around it and I would get sent home every day and my mom (laughs) kept sending me out to school like that and this was like some old money Gatsby fucking school and everyone else except for me and like three other kids who also got scholarships were rich and wearing Banana Republic and I'm just like tank girl but fuck it that's That's why I don't know the states (laughs) Because I, like, missed so much school. I went to school, and I still don't know where the states are. I also, when I was in college, had short, bleach blonde hair, and so people would call me Tank Girl. Oh, really? That's fine, because Lori Petty is hot. Lori Petty is awesome. Yeah. And Ice-T is in it. I've never seen the movie. Oh, it's great. you got to see it. And Malcolm McDowell. Water is power. Anyway. Lori Petty, she was only in three movies, A League of Their Own, Point Break, and Tank Girl. And that's it. I mean, but those are three really, really good movies. So if you've got to be in three movies, those should be the three that you're in. <clears throat> I do remember her. Um, okay, listen, I'm going to talk about something very silly, which really speaks to me and my love of theme restaurants. So first off, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mars, okay? Um, I don't know. It's been said before. Are you Elon Musk or what? Yes, I am Elon Musk. No, I'm Grimes. No, I'm their kid who's named like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten, coming from heaven. Yeah. Um, Sailors fighting in the dance hall. Oh, man. Look at those cavemen go. It's the freakiest show. Take a look at the lawman beating up the wrong guy. Oh, man. Wonder if he'll ever know. He's the best sung show. Is there life on Mars? You tell me, David Bowie. (laughs) Well, he's a skeleton, so he can't tell you. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about <clears throat> a restaurant called Mars 2112. <laughs> First, I want to begin you with, according to Wikipedia, a little bit about Mars, the planet. Now, I'm also going to say that when I was around the same age that I was dressing as Tank Girl, my mother had this really wacky boyfriend, and I'm saying wacky uh, is the nicest way I can describe it. Um, a loser. <laughs> he was completely crazed, and... He ended up moving out to the desert and renaming himself Mars and doing like peyote all the time. But is he in the Mars Volta? Uh, yes, he's in. He's in Thirty Seconds to Mars. <laughs> he's Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start another podcast about bands with Mars in the name. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll do a follow up to this. Okay, so just a little bit about Mars, the planet. According to Wikipedia, Mars is the fourth planet from the sun and the second smallest planet in the solar system, being larger only than Mercury or Mercure. In in English, Mars carries the name of the Roman god of war and is often referred to as the red planet, which is foreshadowing for what I'm going to talk about later. (laughs) The red planet refers to the effect of iron dioxide, which is prevalent on Mars' surface and gives it a reddish appearance. And it's distinctive among the other astronomical bodies and that is visible to the naked eye. Oh. Mars also has a thin atmosphere. Margaret of planets, right? (laughs) Wow, that's a deep cut. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. As I mentioned on the last episode, I watched grumpy old men recently yeah this is a podcast about old elder actors (laughs) dry food just look up who ann margaret is and figure it out okay (laughs) okay um anyway so there's craters there's valleys there's deserts and there's polar ice caps whoa isn't that interesting it's very much like earth some might say including me anyway so we're gonna move forward to an amazing (laughs) theme restaurant that was opened 
in the year of our Lord, 1998. Um, and according oh, to Wikipedia... that new? I thought yeah. It was no, no. It was open in 1998, closed in 2012. Um, so it closed uh, 100 years before it, it was supposed to, I guess. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Irony. Very crazy. So anyway, Mars... This is according to Wikipedia. Mars 2112, pronounced Mars 2112, was one of many tourist targeted restaurants in Times Square uh, based on the futures of space travel and accommodations. It was 33,000 square feet, and it was the largest theme restaurant opened in November of 1998. Um, it was founded by Pascal Thielan and Simon Delph. Uh, who claimed at its opening, it's the fusion of fun, good food, and fantasy. Now, one thing we're going to learn about Mars 2112 throughout this segment <laughs> is that the food was not good. Nobody liked it. I'm going to oh. review some menu items later, but it was, it was, I mean, most theme restaurants are not known for their food, but I feel like the food here is particularly not out of this world. Wink, wink. <laughs> Did you ever go? Did you ever go to Mars T112? You know, actually, I looked it up when you told me that you were doing this, and I don't remember. I was hoping it would jog my memory when you told me what the mm. deal is. I think I went. I used to go to theme restaurants a lot with my parents growing up, um, and I believe that I probably forced my mom to take me to this one. It seems familiar, although I don't know. I can't quite put my finger. I don't know if I just saw it in a movie or if it really happened because my memory is so shitty that it's almost like none of my life happened. Well, is it... So that was my other question. Is it in other places besides New York? No. Mm-mm. They were going to try to open in Boston. And then actually, I think they might have opened in a mall very briefly. But they were riddled with... It was very problematic from the beginning. Nobody really liked it. It's kind of a weird... I mean, it could... <laughs> like a space-themed restaurant could work. I think it making it Mars-specific is kind of not the greatest idea. It was also bright red inside. So it's like... I also feel like 1998 was the wrong time. If they would have done this in 1978... 100%. Definitely in 1968. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of other eights years they could have done this. 98 <laughs> was definitely the wrong time. So in an article <laughs> from the New York Times, it begins as saying... In the waning moments of the 20th century, as the gap between science fiction and science facts shrinks, technology fantasies are becoming tougher to come by. Who, then, would not want to take a bite out of the red planet? Uh, This is great writing from the failing New York Times. Uh, It cost $15 million to build, and it was in the Paramount building on 51st Street. $15 million? 15 million smackaroos. In 1998. In 1998 money, which is like over $3 billion now. That's insane. They were like, I have a great idea. It's going to be amazing. Don't worry, dad, give me your money. (laughs) Don't worry. It's a restaurant that's supposed to look like Mars. Um, So upon arrival, according to the New York Times, patrons take a short walk over an industrial style walkway suspended over pools of simulated bubbling lava. The cavernous 400-seat restaurant has two tiers and looks as if it was ready for shooting to resume on the original Star Trek. The only windows are those cut into the restaurant's rock walls to offer glimpses of animated star fields and computer-generated Martian landscapes. (laughs) There's no windows to the outside. (laughs) 
No, it's underground. The restaurant has a bar for adults and a computer age arcade for youngsters called Cyber Street, which rings of pedophilia, if you ask me, but who am I? I don't know. Cyber sex. Cyber just for me doesn't sound. I feel like the word cyber has been ruined by creeps. (laughs) And that's fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. So um, it was opened by this guy, Pascal Phelan, who had made his money as a cat. Like he came from cattle farming money in like Ireland. And apparently he ruined his like cattle farming business and like cheated his (laughs) investors and then took his escapades and crossed the pond to 51st Street. And decided to open a Mars-themed restaurant for yeah, God knows why. Restaurants seem to be the the choice for people that are, you know, below the law. They're, you know, breaking the law. I know. I was trying to see if, like, Trump had ever had any involvement in this restaurant. Because I'm like, he must have done something with this place. It's just, you know, it reeks of Trump. But alas, I couldn't find anything. But who knows? I'm sure it's his, it was probably his favorite place to get a taco salad. <laughs> <clears throat> um. He decided to open in America because, quote, this is where it all started, said Mr. Phelan, who made his fortune as a cattle farmer and beef processor in Europe. This is where NASA is, the space program, and Microsoft. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay. Also, according to the New York Times, quote, a flying saucer 22 feet in diameter is frozen in flight outside the restaurant's glass front doors. It's inside it is shiny slender and looks like a greyhound bus station <laughs> designed by <laughs> national aeronautics and space administration eggheads visitors are issued martian federation visas and ushered to gates that await for a shuttle to mars hmm. in t- in august of 20 uh, 2007 grub street put out an article that is called Ask a Waiter, which I'm assuming is part of a running column. I didn't look and see if there were any others. So <laughs> Maybe they, interviewed, they interviewed different waiters about their jobs. This one was extremely, like, they were really trying to make fun of this person, uh, Tom Harlan, who had played Mars 2112's Dr. Mars for five years. But he was playing the straight man perfectly and did not budge an, an inch. And the questions were very, like, snarky and rude. So I'm going to read you some of this interview. Okay. You've worked in a rather peculiar environment for the past five years. Does it ever haunt you in your sleep? (laughs) That's the question for this man. And he goes... It's an acting gig. Quite honestly, I don't know many other actors who have an acting gig like this. They're mostly unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) So there's also a rumor, and if you Google Mars 2112, one of the things that comes up, like, predictively will be Mars 2112 Bill Clinton. So I guess he was mm-hmm. a huge fan of the restaurant. Really? <laughs> yeah. So this question says, was Bill Clinton really there? What other celebs? And the waiter says, he came in two times. I believe he brought his nephew here. He was six years old at the time. Brad Pitt was here with his son Maddox. I'm not going to name names because of lawsuits. I'm an actor myself, so I understand. <laughs> No, you don't. You are. <laughs> he oh, just he... name dropped two of the most famous people ever. And he knows. How did he know that that kid was six years old? That's weird. The whole thing is very strange. The rest of, I wanted the rest of the interview to be funnier. Really, it was just like a bunch of very dumb, mean questions that this guy was not like playing along with. So I'm going to stop there. But I'm going to imagine that working at Mars 2112, I think would probably be one of 
the great I think having worked at a theme restaurant you have to dress up would have been like I it's one of my biggest regrets that I never did it because I imagine the stories and the cool people that you meet and like I don't know yeah would it if you had to work at a theme restaurant what one would you have wanted to work at if I had to work in a theme restaurant I would maybe that would be one because then that would mean that I was in New York making it in 1998 as an actor (laughs) (laughs) good call I would have wanted to work at Jekyll and Hyde because I like things that are spooky you love that place yeah I love Jekyll and Hyde and I'm praying to the sweet lord above that it opens after the pandemic so I can get my hide on like I like to (laughs) but not my Jekyll <sighs> okay, let's talk about the decline of this fucking dump. Oh, in Mars twenty <laughs> Mars twenty one tell first filed for bankruptcy in two thousand and two, citing diminished sales. Quote in light of the tragic events of September eleventh. Oh right, <laughs> all right. Never forget. Uh, never forget what September eleventh did to Mars twenty one twelve's business. <laughs> That's the real tragedy. That is the real tragedy that no one talks about. Oh my god, the unsung. Um, a victim of September 11th, Mars 2112. Uh, people were just, like, too sad. They're like, this is just so hard for our city. I can't possibly go to a theme restaurant. And it had nothing to do with their terrible food or the fact that it was Mars-themed. <laughs> um, they, again, filed for bankruptcy in late 2007, which I'm like, I thought it had to be seven years apart. But anyway, maybe that's just for us common folks. Um, the restaurant landlord, the Paramount Group, fought to have the second case dismissed in an ongoing clash over construction of a cooling tower. What? Basically, like, they they wanted to create, like, a separate cooling tower for the restaurant, and the restaurant didn't want them to. What's and a then, cooling tower? It's like uh, an AC unit. This is a, there is a conspiracy theory here. I, I will find it. Give me a couple Okay. Weeks. Please do. So this is a racist part of the whole thing. Oh, no. So um, Mars 2112 turned the restaurant into, like, a nightclub, and there was, like, big rap acts that would go there. And, like, Hot 97 and Power 1051 would, like, have shows there. And the landlord was like, you can't have hip-hop here anymore and hip-hop functions. We don't want that to happen anymore because it's too violent and too rowdy. What year was that? This was, like, in the early 2000s. That's fucked up. Right. So this is from the New York Daily News. After a Hot 97 live event, three men were stabbed, leaving a midtown hotspot. <laughs> the latest in a series of violent attacks marring city nightlife. One of the victims was ni- knived about 4 a.m. Sunday. It was in critical con- condition at New York Presbyterian. Knived? They said that yeah. in the news? Knived. Uh, Critical condition at New York Presbyterian Hospital, while Cornell, while the other two are at St. Vincent's Hospital in Manhattan, police said. the victim they lived. They lived, yes. Everything's fine. The victims, 28, all from Long Island. Surprise, surprise. Left Mars 2112, a space-themed bar at 51st (laughs) and Broadway, and headed toward their car. In class with a group of at least five men and two women... As a terrified parking lot attendant locked himself in his booth and dialed 911. Huh. I know. Um, and then, this is another weird thing. So, when Jam Master Jay was killed in the early 2000s, he was killed, I believe, in Queens. But there was a conspiracy that, I mean, it's, uh, involving drugs was the most likely answer. The killers and were fine. cooling towers, probably. And- right? 
This is Jam Master J, you heard it here first, folks, was killed over a cooling tower. Smuggling cooling towers or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. We shouldn't make fun of him. He's a legend. But anyway, there was also, uh, please step off my my Jam Master J. So (laughs) there was also a theory that, like, it was a dispute over people really trying to, like, hurt 50 Cent because 50 Cent had just. signed Jan Master J to his label and 50 Cent oh. was getting ready to perform at Mars 2112 no way. the night that Jam Master J was killed and they pulled him off the stage and they closed the club. Jeez, right? Really? Yeah, really. Why would why? I lie about something like this? <laughs> because they did... thought because they thought he was in danger because they're like, "Oh, they just got Jam Master J. They're they're out for you next." Huh. Okay. So a spaceship came and zapped him up. <laughs> And that was that. Right. One one more thing I'd like to say about this is that Shaquille O'Neal, according to TMZ, <laughs> couldn't power quote couldn't power his way through the line at New York nightclub this weekend, getting turned away at the door, all because he was dressed like a lumberjack. Shaq rolled what? up to the nightclub restaurant Mars twenty one twelve on Saturday night wearing jeans, a sweatshirt, tennis shoes, and a beanie. According to the club promoter Mike Mogul, Shaq's attire wasn't up to club standards, so security pl- politely informed the retired NBA star that he would not be allowed inside. Okay, I have so much to say. Number one, that's not how lumberjacks dress. Not at all. <laughs> not even close. Number two, what is the dress code there for dudes? Like button-down shirt or something? I mean... If you're Shaq, there is no dress code. You're Shaq. Why would you not? If you're Mars 2112, you've already filed for bankruptcy, and you're like, no, we don't need Shaq's money. Sorry, Shaq. We are on our second bankruptcy filing. We have only one cooling tower, and you can't come in here. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm going to finish this off the way that I like to with a couple of reviews. Great. According to this... Yelp user, Mars 2112 was not pleasant at all, spelled with one L. <laughs> Most of the staff was extremely rude. The food right, was very it wasn't bland. pleasant at Al. At, oh, right. Maybe it was just like they went with someone named Al. Maybe it was Al Borlin. Maybe, maybe they're, they maybe he's they dressed like a lumberjack. To, <laughs> maybe they don't know how to spell et Al. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was not pleasant at all. Et Al. Most of the staff was extremely rude. The food was very bland. My chicken tenders needed lots of salt and ketchup. Three exclamation points. So what? Don't put you your fucking chicken tender in some ketchup, sir. I don't trust this person at all now. I know. This person's a fucking serial killer. So if you want a nice family dinner, do not go to Mars 2112. Okay. Also, I just wanted everyone to picture someone pouring salt all over a chicken tender and it just sliding right <laughs> off into the basket. Or even better, picture someone pouring ch- salt onto a chicken tender in space and having it just go everywhere well, <laughs> and trying to catch be, it. It would be liquid salt, so it would be totally fine. True, 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 true. This is the last review. Hmm. Hmm. Fun. Yes. Healthy? No. This person obviously is a native New Yorker. Just kidding. If you want to really treat your kids to fun in the city, don't drag them here. Take them to Central Park and stop at a Whole Foods for a picnic lunch. Or what? head down to... <laughs> yeah. This is what real New Yorkers do. Or head downtown and walk around Soho until you need to plop at Le Pan for lunch. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nope. Keep your kids happy and healthy, not revved up on non-bad food, on revved up on non-bad food and sugar. If you need a sugar treat, go to Marie Bell's 
Coco shop in Soho. This bitch loves Soho in Soho, or of course the famous ice cream place on the upper side. You know the one. <laughs> Do I? This was written by Nora Ephron. Is it- Just kidding. This is not written by Big Soho. I know, right? Exactly. Uh, maybe you should just go to the one on the upper one or the one in Soho, which everyone knows is better. She didn't even mention Magnolia Bakery one time. I don't get it. <laughs> and this one was written by Carrie Bradshaw. It couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> what would it be like to pour liquid salt on your chicken nuggets? Um, so that's all I have to say about Mars 2112. I may have gone. We'll never know. Um, I don't think that I went. I looked up some pictures, but um, it reminds me of this place in Seattle where I lived briefly called The Blob. And (laughs) this guy, basically, I don't know the whole story. We should probably do an episode on this that we'll never do. Or like another episode about like failed, crazy one owner restaurants in different towns. But he like spent all of his money building this place. And it looks like someone described it as like a pile of melted ice cream. Um, You should... (laughs) It's demolished now, but you should look it up. Um, it's really funny to look at. It looks like a piece of crazily molded plastic, but it also kind of looks like um, terracotta or something. It's really that's really incredible. Nice, really a sight to see. Um, I'm gonna. I'll post it on our Instagram. Um, okay, I have a top three question that's all over the place for you. Great. What are your top three favorite things about space? They could be anything. It could be a movie. It could be. <laughs> Literally anything. Um, well, as I was doing my research, I realized I do like Tang. It's good. Oh, um, sure. I can't even... I don't know if they still make it. Didn't they make like a cherry Tang or something at some point? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I miss like... I guess what I really like is that um, powdered absorbic acid. What is, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That stuff. Like citric acid? Citric acid, yeah. Not absorbic acid. Um... Other things about space. I'm a big Star Wars, not a big Star Wars fan, but I am a person who has seen all of the Star Wars movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm into it. I think it's a pretty, the origin story is also pretty interesting. Although now George Lucas is whatever. Um, He's dead. He died. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. Breaking (laughs) news. George Lucas (laughs) is dead. It's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's hard for me to think about space without just thinking about movies. Unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry. Um, That's fine. So then I would have to say my third favorite thing about space is space balls. Mmm. Very good. Well, mine's a little bit more fringe. You know that I don't really like space very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say E.T. Because mm. I love E.T. Um, very little of that takes place in space. I know, but he's from space. He, you can't get more space than E.T. He's, he's from space. <laughs> okay. I like nebulas. They look really cool. They do. And I love Michael Fassbender. And he's in that movie. What is that movie he's in? It's like some no space movie. I don't know. I like Michael Fassbender. And I also really liked um, that like last movie that the guy who did La La Land did with Ryan Gosling. First Man. Oh, I never saw that. I heard it was very boring. I disagree. I thought it was really, really, really cool. I like the woman in it, Claire Foy. She's also the queen. 
Wait, um, are you talking about Alien? The Michael Fassbender Alien movie? Yeah, I think he was in... It was like a... It came out like maybe five years ago or something. Well, he's in the new... Yes, yeah. the new Alien, but it had a different name. It was like Alien something, like Hairbrain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hairbrain Aliens! Yeah. Um, I, oh, it's called... Oh, shit. It's Prometheus. Prometheus, yes. He is hot. He's my if I he's one of my couple celeb crushes. I love John Hamm and I love Michael Fassbender. Not for me. I like people who I've seen that they have a big dick outline on and pictures on the internet. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so sue me. <laughs> you know, I there's a space movie that I really like with a hot man in it, which is um shit. Is it Sam Shepard? Is Sam Shepard a young person? <laughs> no. Sam Shepard is a playwright and actor, but he oh, actually he is, is dead. dead. Yeah. Who? Okay. The famous Sam. Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Yes. Love he play, him. He plays um, in that movie Moon. Oh, I never saw it. It's really good. I, I'm really into space movies, so you probably didn't see this, because it takes place entirely in space. But, um, what about Gravity? I liked Gravity. I never saw that either. It's one of the very, very, very few movies in which, spoiler alert, um, George Clooney dies. Oh my God, George. George Clooney is dead. You heard it here first. <laughs> Bill Gates, George Clooney, <laughs> Sam Shepard, Eddie Van Halen. And who else did we just say is dead? Some other person died. Michael Fassbender. This has been a crazy day. <laughs> just when you thought it couldn't get any worse in 2020. It's fine. We lost a lot of white men. We're going to be fine. <laughs> what a great episode about space. You know, maybe I'm not as scared of it as I thought I was. Yeah, this moon movie is good. It's, I think it was directed by a Coppola, perhaps. I could be wrong about that. I'm wrong about so uh, much in my life. Interesting. Oh, um, no, it's you know directed what? by Duncan Jones. One of, a Coppola, a male it's, Coppola that's not Francis. But you know um, what? Duncan Jones, isn't that David Bowie's son? Yes, it's David Bowie's son. Yeah. Which is why I conflated it with there's another there's another space movie that a Coppola boy directed. Coneheads. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He actually, that when he was twelve. I love Coneheads. That's one of my favorite space things. That is a actually I might watch that tonight. That is a really funny movie. It's a I great love Jane movie. Curtin. Jane Curtin can yeah. do wrong. She's great, and also Dan Aykroyd obsessed with aliens. I wonder if it started when he did Coneheads. <laughs> Nope, it started before that because Ghostbusters is way before Coneheads. Oh, right. I wonder if he did Coneheads because of his alien obsession. He's really obsessed with He's like on a Tom DeLonge alien kick, yeah. maybe even no. worse. He's like, they. the truth is out there. I have seen it with mine eyes. Mm, interesting. Well, guys, please tell us, please get at us with your favorite space things. Um, all our listeners, Kira, Paulina, Aaron, Anthony Sasso. I'm very sorry that I, I was re-listening to last week's episode and realizing so it really took cruel. a deep I'm, shot. Unnecessarily cool. <laughs> I told people to avoid him at all costs, and really, he's a lovely person and a great You're chef. Like, so. This guy sucks because he went to the Commodore one time and said that not just, Although I agree with your <laughs> sentiment. I mean, yeah, you could have been like an unnamed acquaintance of mine. I know. I'm like, I'm destroying years and years of friendship because of some fucking nachos that an evil nacho chef probably prepared. So I'm sorry, Anthony. I take that back. Um, You're off my canceled list. Let's also call out some new-ish, well, not new listeners, but haven't been called out, which is uh, my friend Kelly, who is in Indiana. And hey, Mike Kelly. Saw, once again, God bless you. And what Angela, up, Mike saw? 
haven't mentioned Angela you in a while. Alonso. Thanks for listening. And my sister, Shannon. And Virginia. Hey. Oh, Virginia. Hello. Uh, Janet. I mean, those oh. are, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> my mom I mean, doesn't listen anymore. She hates it. <laughs> she hates the show. Anywhere between six to ten people at any hey given guys. are listening <laughs> to the show. It's <laughs> amazing. I love our six to ten listeners. Um, well, anyway, this was a really, what a fun, fun episode. I loved it. I had a great time. I did too. I'm really, really hungry, I'm realizing. And I've, I have some minestrone, some space-aged minestrone soup bubbling Wait, away on my stovetop. You say minestrone? What do you say? Minestrone. Min- minestrone. Oh, I'm sorry. I have some minestrone soup. It is a boiling <laughs> away on my stove. I need to go get it right now. And then I give it a big kiss with my fingers. <laughs> oh, the same thing happened to me. I was panicked making a cob salad that I thought would be so easy to throw together. It took me three fucking hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to be like, funny. Dad, take this out of the oven, crumble the bacon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I got a podcast about space to record for six people. <laughs> I oh. did pay on ranch dressing though, so I think it's gonna be great. I hope. That's hot. That's hot. I'm bringing that back also. As Paris Hilton would say. That's hot. Um, hey guys, if you love the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It makes a big difference. It also bolsters our egos, and those that's not to be, uh, you know, under my, uh, underestimated the importance of, of the id. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, feed my id! <laughs> you need to feed, feed mine id, yeah. please. Fiend mine, feed uh, mine id, minestrone. No, they heard it. They heard it. <laughs> Feed mine id a minestrone. <laughs> okay, that's um, enough. This is getting wait, out of control. Before we leave, really fast. What? So yeah, go you, ahead. You hate space and you've never seen any of the alien movies, but then you watch Prometheus? Just out of no, I've seen Alien. We talk about well. this almost every episode for some reason. <laughs> I've seen Alien. Sigourney Weaver. Her underpants. <sighs> okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. Well, I've it was s- lovely to talk to you. Oh, it was a dream. I'm going to call you on the phone now so we can gab like a bunch of old so-and-sos. Okay, great. All right, bye, everyone. Talk to you later. Hasta la motherfucking pasta. Bye-bye. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>